Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Well, amen. Join me if you would in the book of James this morning in the first chapter, please. James in chapter number one. If you're visiting here at Open Bible today, we give you a warm welcome. I'm sure glad you came on this beautiful Sunday morning and trust you enjoy the fellowship and the worship and uh, hopefully we get to, to meet you if you're a guest, if you're a visitor and want you to know you're special to us. So thank you for coming. James chapter 1, we're going to continue our study this morning. We've, we, we've been told, we've often been told that doing right is a result of thinking right. Right? Did you, did you ever hear that before? Doing right is a result of thinking right. And, and I, I agree with that. I believe that. In fact, I, I believe it's biblical, right? You, you've heard that before in the Bible somewhere. The wise man, Solomon, spoke about right thinking and having the right frame of mind. Because our thoughts, our thoughts kind of dictate, our thoughts, our thinking influences um, our actions, our behavior. Isn't that right? Um, that's that's kind of what James is speaking about here in our text this morning. In fact, James takes it, James takes it a step above, and James speaks to us about. Now, get this: James speaks to us about thinking right about God. So it's not just right thinking; it's thinking right about God. You know, and uh, and I want you to see that. Look look at our text. Look in James chapter one and pick it up with me in verse sixteen. He said, do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, uh, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18, he said, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 17, he speaks to us there about about good gifts. Look at it again. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift, right? Uh, I like gifts. How about you? Amen. I like to be on the receiving end, you know? And, and, and here's the truth. I think we agree. Uh, I like good gifts, <laughs> right? Uh, and and, I, and in fact, good gifts are better than gifts, right? And perfect gifts are the best, you know, a perfect gift is just something that, I mean, it just fits you well, you know. But I found this out to be true. I've been married for a number of years now. Not all gifts are good gifts. Say amen right there. Not all gifts are good gifts. In fact, uh, with Mrs. Yanizzi, she does not, I earned, I earned uh, Andrew, pay attention to this. I learned early on that a plug-in is not a good gift. My wife hates plugins, you know, and, uh, and I thought it was the perfect gift, but for her, it represents work. For me, it's self-serving, 
right? She gets the gift, I get the benefit. It's kind of like the year I bought, I, I bought her a fry daddy. I did. What was that for your birthday or Christmas? Or I bought her a fry daddy. I thought that was the perfect gift because it's a gift. And then I love French fries and fried chicken and fried anything, you know, right? I mean, so, uh, but, but it didn't turn out to be that good. And so not, not, all, not all gifts are good gifts, but the Bible says that God gives, according to the text, not just good gifts, but look at it again. He gives perfect gifts. And, and notice James goes, goes, goes a step further, and he speaks to us about the source of these gifts. And he said this in verse number 17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And, and it comes down, he says it comes down from the Father of lights, from the Father of lights, in whom is, and I like this, don't you, with whom there no, no variable, neither shadow of turning. So our good God gives good gifts, Right? And they come down from above, from the Father of lights. I like what John said. John reminds of, of this. John said, God is light, right? Uh, John, 1 John chapter number 5 and, and verse, uh, chapter number 1, verse number 5. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And so James is kind of speaking to us about, you know, our good God, the, the, the Father of lights, giving to us good gifts, in fact, perfect gifts. I, 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 I heard this phrase many years ago, and men, it was a lot of years ago, and it just kind of stuck to me. Good, better, best. You ever hear that? How many heard that before? Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Till your good is better and your better is best. Right? Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Till your good is gooder and your better is best. And so there's something better than good. There's best. And what God has for you and I is best. And this would be a great time to just kind of go off course here and talk a little bit about how, you know, for young men, you know, the woman God has for you is best. Amen. You know, and, and young ladies, the man God has for you is, is best. Amen. <laughs> you know? And everything that God has for us is best, good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. That's not what James is speaking about. But he is talking to us about, you know, our good and perfect God. In fact, Paul adds this to it. Paul says this. Paul says that God's will for us is perfect. Did you ever read that in Romans chapter number 12? Right? And so one of God's gifts to us is his perfect plan. His perfect will. It's a gift from God, and it's good, and it's perfect. It's kind of custom-made. I've been, I've been preaching for a long period of time, Brian, and I've been wearing suits for a long period of time, but never in my life, and this is not a hint, but never in my life did anyone take me and have a custom suit made just for me. I've had to buy them off the rack, right? And when you buy them off the rack, you know what happens? The pants don't come altered. You know, you got to get them sized up, and sometimes the sleeves are a little bit too long, and you, you, you get what I'm saying? Huh? And so, but when God gives you something, it's a perfect fit. You know why, Tony? You know why? Because he takes you into consideration. You know why his will is perfect for our lives? Because it's for me, not for Dave. And I wouldn't mind having Dave's voice. The brother can sing. 
huh? I'd be a little put off if I had Shay's voice, but the sister can sing. <laughs> yeah, right? But God's will for our lives is absolutely perfect because he's taken us into consideration. And so uh, James says, Paul says, they all say that God sends to you and I good gifts. They're perfect. They're not just good, they're perfect. Verse 16 is kind of like a transitional verse because he says in verse 16, you know, last week we talked about mm, uh, overcoming temptation. You remember that? I had those, I had my team here. My pre, I gave them off today. I gave my pre, they wanted overtime, you know, so I gave them off today. But last week we illustrated, do you remember we illustrated temptation, how that occurs and, and whatnot? And right, right in the center there, so in verse 13, uh, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, 13, 14, and 15, James is speaking about the process of temptation, which leads to lust and then sin, and then when sin's finished, it brings forth death, which is separation. We've broken fellowship with God. But then he says in verse number 16, before verse 17, do not err, my beloved brethren. And so it's kind of like a, a, a transition uh, verse. And, and what James is saying to his readers is this, God doesn't tempt us with evil. In, in, instead, he gives us that which is good. Do you remember I said this last week? Uh, at the core of every temptation is a lie. Right? And here's the lie. Here's the lie. You've heard this before. Donald, I know you've heard this before. You can't do without this. Right? When that temptation comes, uh, the lie is, you've got to have this because this is what you're looking for. And this will satisfy you. Hello? Now, I don't want to go down that road because it'll distract me. But how many would say to me, I, I get it, Pastor. Say it. I get it, Pastor. Are you sure you got it? Say it again. I get it. I get it. And so what James is saying is this. Uh, it's temptation's a lie. Only God can satisfy. Right? What we're missing, what we're lacking, why we're longing is because we're not in a right relationship with God. And if you get in a right relationship with God, everything's going to be good. Huh? Now, there's a subliminal message here, and I'm not sure if you can pick it up. You know what subliminal messages are? Uh, they're, 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 they're those hidden messages. It's kind of like when you're sitting down watching TV, and all of a sudden you get hungry. Huh? You weren't hungry before. You know why? Because there's been, there's subliminal messages, something you didn't even catch it, but there was maybe just one frame, you know, of, of the whole production, you know, and there's a cheeseburger in the frame. Or my all-time favorite, a slice of pizza. I said to Donna uh, the other day, she said, what do you want for dinner? I said, when was the last time we had pizza? She said, yesterday. <laughs> All right, can we have it again today? I, I can eat it every day, morning, noon, and evening. I love pizza. And so, but a subliminal message is something that's hidden, you know, but it, it, it kind of, it registers. And there's a subliminal message here in the book of James. And, 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 and often the theme described for the book of James is maturity. And I think James might be saying in this passage, now get this, don't miss this. Our view of God either helps or hinders our growth and maturity. Thinking right about God. Our view, now get this, our view of God, your view of God, my personal view of God, James is speaking about this, will either help 
or hinder our growth and maturity. Can you hold on to that for a second? Can you? Promise me you'll hold on to that for a second. Because this message is going to take an unusual turn in about five minutes. I promise you. And it's going to get very practical and very personal because we're going to talk about your view, my view, our personal view of God. But before that, let me outline, let me outline this text for you and, and, and talk to you just a little bit about what James is speaking about here. I, I said a moment ago that our thinking carries influence over our lives. Do you agree with that? Huh? As we think. So, if you wake up one morning, and I don't know, it's just not your day. It's cloudy. Right now, it's rainy. It's just not a most pleasant day. I'm a sunshine kind of guy. Say amen right there. I like sunshine more than anything, you know, in life. And so, you wake up, and man, it's a blah kind of a day, and you just, I don't know, you're a little mentally off, right? And so, you walk downstairs, instead of petting the dog, you kick the dog. God forbid if you should ever do that. Don't let me find out you kicked the dog. I'm a dog lover. I doesn't care what you do with the cat, but I love dogs. I'm extremely allergic to cats. And so, and so you're a little bit off. Isn't it true that your thinking influences your behavior? Your outlook produces an outcome. Your attitude produces an action. Huh? And so what James is talking about here is this, our, influ- our, our thinking carries influence over our lives, and the way we view God matters. Now, just to be faithful to this text, let me share with you an outline. James gives us an outline here. In verse number 16, James says this, James states, don't, don't, be, don't be deceived, God protects us. Are you with me, guys? God protects us. In verse number 16, look at it again, do not err. Don't be deceived, don't be fooled, my beloved brethren. And that follows, verse 16 follows that scenario of temptation. And so I think maybe what James is saying there is this, even though we're tempted, God has not left us alone. Even though we are faced with mm, troubles and trials and sometimes temptation, God is right there present with us. God loves us and cares for us, and He protects us. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 15. The choir sang a little bit about it. God is faithful. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with that same temptation give you a way to escape it, a way out, so that you can grow through it, so that your weakness can get stronger and you'll be able to endure it, right? And I think this, I think sometimes when we go through those difficult times, we feel alone. We maybe even feel as if, God, where are you? But James reminds, don't don't be deceived. God protects us. God is good, and He protects His own. And then He also says this in in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. He said, God provides for us. So God protects us. And then God provides for us. Uh, You know, the greatest provision that God has made for us? Salvation. Look at these words. Go go to verse number 18. He says in verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. You know what he's speaking about right there? Look up here for a second, class. He's speaking there about uh, salvation. 
and how he's provided for you and I a means, a way to be saved. And by the way, you're aware of this, right? You know salvation wasn't an afterthought. Amen. You know, it's not like the Godhead up in heaven looked down and said, oh boy, what do we do now? No, no. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians 1 and verse number 4? The Bible says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And so God put a plan together, a plan to redeem man, a plan to save man before there was a, before there was a man on earth. God knew what was going to take place and made a plan to restore us and to redeem us. Isn't that good? And so God protects us and God provides for us. And the greatest of all gifts that God provides, of course, is the gift of salvation. And then James says this in verse number 18. I just want to give you an outline. James says God prepares us. So get it now. Say it with me, class. You ready? God protects me, God provides for me, and God prepares me. I want you to look at verse number 18 at these words that we should be. Did you see that? You can't see it if you're looking at me. Look at your Bible, that we should be. Are you there? And so of his own will begat he us through the word of truth that we should be. Help me here. That means this. He not only saves us, but now he's got a plan for us that we might be what? Well, according to Romans chapter number 8, verse number 29, it says, for whom he did foreknow... He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of Christ. So God's plan for you and I, generally speaking, is that we become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So whenever it is you got saved, for me, it was November 1979. That's when I got in. And the day I got in, Donald, God had this plan for me to become more and more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be. And you know the great part about that, Brother Will, is this. He has provided his grace so that I might be what he wants me to be. Right? You hear that song they sang about his grace? It's amazing. You know why? Because it's enablement. God enables me so that I I can never say, I can't. I I just can't be that. I can't do that. I can't go there. I I can't. I can't. No, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, no, no, you mean you won't because you can Because whatever I ask you to do, I've given you the grace, the enablement to do it. Hello? Are you with me? Isn't that a great outline? Say it with me again. God protects me. God provides for me. God prepares me. That's what James teaches us here in verses 16, 17, and 18. And I want to say this. Based upon that, that will give you, now don't lose this, that will give you a proper view of God. Right? So, James begins, let's recap, James begins the chapter speaking to um, Jewish converts who have been scattered abroad through persecution. Right? And they go through trials. And James says this, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different kind of circumstances, trials, troubles. Because we know this, we know, we absolutely positively know that the trying of our faith is going to strengthen us and make us better. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give you understanding. But if you're going to ask, you've got to ask in faith, nothing wavering, no hesitation. 
Huh? Because, because whether you are rich or poor, it matters not. The same God. Overall, I'm just kind of going down the text here. Huh? Right? Yeah. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, trial, trouble, evil. Because when he's tried, look at, look at verse number 12. I love verse number 12. For when he's tried, he shall receive what? Crown of life. We spoke about that, didn't we? And what he's saying basically is this, in all of it, your view of God must be proper. You've you, you got to have right thinking about God. Now, I'm going to make a turn here, and I want you to stay with me, and I want you to try to understand this. It might be a little complicated for some, but I really want you to get this. Our view, our view of God matters. Your personal view of God matters. Uh, did you ever hear this? People speak about this all the time. People speak about a worldview. Did you ever hear that terminology? A worldview, right? Basically, what they're saying is this. You know, you, you kind of you have to understand where you come from and why you're here and where you're going. And, and so, worldview. And by the way, worldview is important. But can I tell you what's more important? God view. God view is more important than the right worldview. Having the right view of God makes a major difference. And, and here's what happens for some. Now, don't lose me right here. For some, God is all about the law. Say amen, preacher. Amen, amen preacher. God is all, for some, God is all about the law. So what do you mean by that? Well, for some, he, he's kind of like a police officer. Our view, we're talking about your personal view of God. And, and for some, and I've been around long enough to kind of evaluate this, for some, God is, is like a police officer. Uh, to them, to some, to some Christians, God's just an authoritative person. He's authoritarian. Huh? Uh, and, 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 and he's all about, now pay attention right here, Isaac, he's all about keeping us in line. Some people view God like that, you know. Go like this. I know you don't, but some people do. Huh? God's all about the law, man. And his one main concern and joy is keeping us in line. That's your view of God. Now, hold on to that. Because I said a little bit ago, the way you think is the way you behave. What influences you, you'll use to influence somebody else. And if your view of God is God's just a cosmic police officer, this authority, and all, his, all he wants to do is keep us in line, do you know what that produces? Let me tell you what it produces. It produces a rigid walk with God. Man, I thought this was going to be better than you're, you're letting on. When your view of God is God as a lawmaker and his main concern is to keep us in line, then you personally have a very rigid walk with God. And as a result, you overthink it. You're constantly over, Roger, you're always over, not you, but maybe you are. You're always overthinking it. Huh? Always overthinking it. Uh, do I have time to get personal, guys? What do you think up there? Give me the yes up or no. They're giving me the yes up. I got time to get personal. Always overthinking it. 
I was talking to my friend Peter and, and my friend Tony the other day. We had Bible study on Tuesday, uh, Friday morning, and I talked about this. I was, I was born into a Catholic family, and for the first several years of my life, went to Catholic church. And you know what they, they, you know what they produce? Guilt. And I have a guilt machine back here that I have to keep off all the time. Because, for example, uh, can I get personal? I I know you're going to say yes because you love when I tell on myself. (laughs) But Friday morning, we met really early, didn't we, Tony? We had, we, had, we had an early morning meeting, and so I got up. Now, because I was meeting with these two brothers, it doesn't mean I get up at 4 o'clock. I should have because I didn't consider who I was meeting with. <laughs> but I got up my normal time, but because I had to get out of the house quicker, I'm just saying, I had to get out of the house quicker. I did not have, uh, Dave, I didn't have the same amount of time to read and pray like I normally do. So I had to leave the house a lot earlier, right? In my old Catholic days, in my old Catholic days, the guilt machine would have, would, would have went on, and immediately I would have thought, man, God's upset with me. Because I didn't read as much, I didn't pray as much, I didn't go through my routine. Hello? Now, I know you look at me and you say, he's nuts. And I am. But there are some of you that that's your relationship with God. It's all based upon what you do. Oh, man, you're so stinking quiet sometimes. It's all based upon what you do because you overthink it. And, and because you overthink it, now pay attention right here, you overreach for it. <laughs> Boy, I'd have picked this back up next time. Why is that? Tony, because our view of God is simply this. It's all about the law and his job. My job is just stay in between the lines. <laughs> yeah. But then there's some others, because you always have, you know, both sides. There's others who God is all about grace. God is all about grace, right? And, and here's, here, here's that uh, philosophy. He understands why I lack commitment, and he's okay with it. Can I tell you one of the biggest lies? Are you with me? One of the biggest lies? God understands me. God understands me. Look here. He sure do, but it doesn't mean, doesn't mean he's going to accept, you know, all, all, all of your lack of commitment and all of your no, he understands you, but what he really understands is his word and how it's custom made to fit you and I. It's all about grace. Uh, God's completely tolerant. Completely tolerant. <laughs> that's, that's a view of God. Anything goes. Look here. God has given us a free will, and it's okie-dokie by him if I use it any way I want. Yeah. Boundaries, boundaries are what you make it. God grades on a moving scale. Now, you believe me when I tell you, in the church, there are, there are people on both sides of the fence. In fact, I can see it right here. This is all law and this is all grace, and you guys are... Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about God in real life. Uh, our personal view of God in living color. <laughs> right? Where are you at when it comes to God just trying to keep me aligned or really 
Just because I, I love him. That's enough for him. Huh? Right? Yeah, you've heard people, you know, God's holy, God's love. You know, God's a God of judgment and fire. God's a love. He's just fuzzy and warm. Huh? And I guarantee you this, your view will, will, will impact, will influence, will make a difference in your life. And, and, and how you display God. Oh, that was big. That was big. How you put God on display. Huh? Let's talk about that just for a second. Let's talk about our view of God in the weekday place. The weekday place. You say, what's the weekday place, preacher? Well, work, school, family, the weekday place. Your view of God will make, make a, different, a, a, a definite impact. You'll influence, you'll put God on display in the weekday place, at work, at school, in the community, with your family. Huh? So what do you mean by that? All right, since you asked. Your view of God will influence how you treat and intermingle with those you disagree with. Say this with me. There is somebody on earth I disagree with. Let's be honest. At times, I want you to say this with me. At times, I don't even agree with myself. Isn't that true? All right. Your view of God, the way you understand God, will influence how you treat the homosexual, the LBGTQ. Did they add any more letters to that yet? Who? Plus. Plus. Hey, that's good, Dave. That was sharp, man. The LGBTQ plus. Your view of God, the way you understand God. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Your view of God, the way you understand God, will influence the way you behave around people with ink. And I don't mean ballpoint pen. I mean those that are tattooed. Those that are pierced. Huh? Do I need to make this real personal? Because the people on this side will, would say, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I get it. But the people on this side would say, don't you know what the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy about piercings and tattooing and homosexual lifestyles and you can't be... <laughs> people on this side, somebody comes in with tattoos and says, boy, I was thinking about getting that same tattoo. And you're 85 years old, here's Bob Smith saying, because he wants to be gracious, I was going to get that same thing, mom, across my forehead. Raji, what would you do if that came in with? <laughs> huh? Are you with me? Huh? So think about that for a second. Your view of God in the weekday place will certainly influence how you treat others. And by the way, some of us have family members that struggle with everything I just mentioned. They're divorced, or they're, they're LGBTQ+, they're pierced and, and, and inked up, and, and, and hello? 
So you know what we've done? Because it's all about law for me, and I know what God requires of me. They cannot come into my house. No way, Jose. You're not stepping foot in here if you got ink all over the place, if you're divorced, if you're an LGBTQ plus person. No way, Jose. You can imagine what this side does. They want them to move in. You're glad you're on this side today, aren't you? Yeah. Look at you. They're all... Huh? All right. Our view of God. In the we- how about in the weekend place? What's the weekend place? Well, for you and I, here we is. Look here. You're... Oh, I wish you'd get a hold of this, church. I wish you'd get a hold of this. Your view of God will influence the way you treat others even in this place. Hmm? Yeah, you take somebody walking the back door today, and man, I mean, they got, they got ink from everywhere. I remember one time I was pastoring, I was preaching, and on a Sunday morning, and the ushers brought this guy in, sat him right where you're about, about right, Dominic? And right in the center of his forehead, I'm not kidding you, in the center of his forehead, he had a, a, a serpent, a, a spider tattooed. Remember, remember that? Did you ever see pictures of, of um, uh, what's the guy, Manson? What's his name? Charles. Charles Manson? I mean to tell you, I took three takes and thought it was him. You know? Sat him right there, man. And I thought, I hope they got security sitting next to this guy. But why I preached like the house was on fire, like I always do. And guess what happened? That brother, after the service, I meet in the restroom. And I thought, he's coming in to kill me now. <laughs> and then we struck up a conversation. Here come to find out he was the, uh, he was the prodigal son of one of our members. And I mean, that was just one bit of ink he had on him. Huh? I can't, I can't say for everybody, I can't say for everybody, but I guarantee you this, for some people, they were overwhelmed and so glad that he was sitting there. For others, I'm sure they were saying, look at that, would you believe, isn't that a disgust, what, you, you gotta be. How about, how about for the folks who used to come to Open Bible, who left Open Bible and come back? Come on, man, get with the program. Huh? So I, this is not my first trip to the rodeo. I've been around here for a while. Not here, but I've been around Christian. I've been around church for a while. And you know what folks have told me after I go and visit them and say, hey, it was so good, Dave, so good to see you and Shape come back. I hope you keep coming. Well, preacher, we would, but there's some people in the church just make us feel uncomfortable. You know what I want to do? Next Sunday morning, I want to get up and not stand behind the pulpit. I want to stand on the pulpit and preach just at those people. Because you do not understand God. Your view of God is so, so, so messed up. Are you with me? But tell me if it's not true. Your view of God influences the way you treat others. In the workday place, in the weekday place, and in the weekend place. I want somebody to say, please, somebody say, that's good preaching. That'll help us. That'll help us. That'll help us. So here's the tendency. Are you with me? Here's the tendency. Now pay attention right here. We put God in our box. Did you hear that? 
I didn't say we put God in a box. No, we put God in our box. <laughs> you, you know what that means? That means this. Uh, my limited view of God places limitations upon God. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. What I have a hard time with, I believe God has a hard time with. Oh, that's good preaching. Because I don't like, my father, bless his heart, he's, in, he's been with the Lord for a lot of years. My dad was a piece of work. You'd love him. After he got saved, he became, right, Don, he became the softest soul you could ever meet. But for, there's certain things my dad had a problem with. For example, Steve, my dad was the cheapest man on earth. I'm not kidding you. If, if I was in a room at the house, and if I left the room, let's say I'm in, I'm in the living room and went to the bathroom, when I come back into the living room, the lights were out. Now, the tree, you heard the, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. I do the same thing. <laughs> Carrie, I'm always turning your light out. I'm always turning I, I, Tyler's lights out. It's just a habit. Right, Don? I walk around turning everything up, right? YouTube, Ryan. But then there were certain things my dad didn't like. And after he got saved, he started to use Christianity. Eddie, my cousin Eddie's back here. You remember my dad well. He's laughing back there. Uh, there are certain things my dad didn't like in life, and he used Christianity to back it up, man. <laughs> So my dad hated Christmas trees. Can I tell you why? My mother put 5,000 bulbs on the tree and lit up every one of them. And all my father kept on seeing was the electric bill going around, 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 around. So every year when my mom would go to, my brother and my mother were the decorators, they'd get the tree out. And now my dad's saved. Now we're all saved. You know, and now he's pulling out Jeremiah. What is it, Jeremiah 8, where, you know, you cut down a tree in the forest and you decorate it's an idol. And so he's trying to preach to the fact. My mother wasn't listening to him. <laughs> huh? He was, are you paying attention? He was trying to put God in his box. And what, now, you, you got to get this, you got to get this. What he was having a hard time with, he was projecting that God has a hard time with. Oh, that's, that's so good. Brother Riddell, you know that's good. And that's exactly what we do. Huh? It's amazing. Now, my dad's been dead 20 years, almost 20 years. It's amazing he, my mother didn't kill him sooner. Because you know what he would do? Bob, here's what he would do. He would, you know, I mean, he'd fight my brother, my brother and, my, 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 and my mother all the way from the time they started decorating in July <laughs> to Christmas. Yeah. And then you know what he'd do on Christmas Eve? Because Christmas Eve, we had all the family over, you know. My father, every time somebody would come in, my father would say, hey, come see the tree. Me and my brother, my sister, my mother, we thought, this guy's a lunatic. He's out of his mind. He's crazy, you know? But that's what we do. And so we put our limits on God, and we limit God, and that's the God. Pay attention right here. That's the God we put on display. And that's why some people don't want anything to do with our God. Huh? Look here. God is not a cosmic police officer, and God is not a hippie from the 60s. Huh? 
What we need to display is the God of the Bible. Huh? Look here. I'm going to finish. There are some things in life that we just have a hard time with, and Christ has nothing to do with it. Can I, can I be candid? Would you, would you turn off the live stream? No, I'm just teasing. Before I got saved, I had a hard time. It wasn't called LGBTQ plus then. Before I got saved, I had a hard time with that lifestyle. And, and look here, it wasn't because my mother and father were bigots or, no, not at all. It just, it was in me. I just had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with it. Huh? And so right now, in, can I be honest with you? I still have a hard time with that lifestyle. But, but can, I, can I pick on you for a second? Donald, if you came in here and I never met you before, and in, in, in a point of discussion, you were to say to me, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of the LGBTQ plus lifestyle, you would not know any difference right here. Not at all. In my heart, I got to be honest, in my heart, I have a hard time with that. I have a, I have a hard time with the sin, but not with the sinner. Oh, you're amening, but some of you, I'll tell you, some of you, some of you, you get somebody from that community, all you want to do, all you want, all you want to do is run them over with your car. All you want to do is magnify their weaknesses. Huh? You know, one of the things Mrs. Janizzi and I love about Open Bible, it's always been this way, the multiracial, I love that. I absolutely adore that. That, that was our church in, in, in Pennsylvania, right, Donna? I mean, at one point in time, James, where's James Keem? At one point in time, we had about 150 to 200 Liberians in our church. We hired a Liberian pastor, you know? In fact, most of my people thought I was black. They didn't realize I was. Uh, isn't that the way it ought to be? But I've pastored some people that, that would actually come up to me and say, hey, don't you think we got too many of them here? Too many what? Irish people? We'll never have enough Italians. Huh? So we take, we take God and we put him in our box. And that's just not, look here, that's at work or, or at, at school, in our family, at church. And what people really need to see is the God of the Bible who accepts us just like we are. With this in mind, I'm going to make you just like I am. Amen? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I thought so. Again, James says this. Now, get it. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not err. Well, I can preach on this subject for a long period of time. Because I think when we get to heaven, I said this to Tony the other day, when we get to heaven, I really believe this. Jesus is going to say, get all us pastors together. And he's going to say, what in the world? Where did you get the idea to have church like that? Huh? Come January, I'm going to do a series on the church. His church. His church. Because we've made it our church. It's got to be at our time. We've got to have the right uniform on. We've got to do things... Say amen right there. It's his church. And I think when we get there as Christians, we're going to find out that the people that we had the hardest time with is who he's going to pal around with. Did you ever read who Jesus palled around with? Hello? It's the people we have no time for. 
<laughs> Amen? Do not err. Right behavior is a result of right thinking. Now, take a glance at verse 19. This is next time. Verse 19, he says, wherefore. What's that word there for? Caution. Wherefore, as a result of, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Upset. Wrath. Slow to wrath. As a result... Because God is good, and your view of God needs to be biblical. You ought to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If there were a caption in the Bible next to verse number 19, we'll talk about this next time, here's what it would be. Flip it. Caution. People's lives are at stake. It's not about, not about our beliefs as an independent fundamental anything. People's lives are at stake. And lost people don't understand church etiquette. Lost people don't understand our bigoted views. Lost people need Jesus. Hello? And we need to be aware of the fact that lives are at stake. They're listening to you at work. They're listening to you at school. They're listening to you in church. People's lives are at stake. Amen? And so we've got to have the right kind of thinking about God. Well, amen. amen. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Let's do something with this. Let's do something with this. Because there was a lot of truth in that message this morning that would fit all of us. Let's do something with this truth this morning. Our heads are bowed. Just a moment, we're going to ask you to come and find a little spot, this old-fashioned altar, and say, God, please help my view of you to be biblical, to be right, because I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to offend anyone. I want to be a conduit that you can work in and work through. I want to be able to lead people to Christ. I want people to see Christ in me. May that be your prayer today. Father in heaven, we rejoice in the fact that we get to be in church, open up a Bible, and try to do our best to have the Holy Spirit help us understand. And some of these texts of Scripture, are really, they're just difficult at times, but the practical application is so, so valid, especially for today. Help us as, as Christians, as members of this body of believers, to have the proper view of God so that as we meet people in, in just our everyday lives or wherever we're at work or church or at home, at school, in the market, our view of God, the God we put on display would be a biblical version, not one that we've conjured up in our own mind. Help us, please. And if there's someone here this morning who has yet to meet the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, we pray for them. We pray that you open their mind and heart to the things of God today and bring them to a saving knowledge. This we pray in Jesus' name and amen. Let's stand together. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.